Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Creative Control with Vish Khanna. Fucked Up are a really awesome and prolific band from Toronto who make great smart rock records and do really remarkable community-minded things for people less fortunate than themselves. On June 3rd, Matador Records is releasing the band's fourth proper album outside of the thousands of singles and EPs they've released over the past 13 years. The new record is called Glass Boys, and I got to see some of it get recorded in Chicago at Electrical Audio last summer with with the band, obviously, and my friend Colin Medley, and it was fun. Good hangs, went to a Cubs game. That was fun. Whole thing was fun. Anyway, there's at least two versions of the new album. One is normal enough. One is slow. And we'll talk about that on this show. A couple weeks ago, I went to Fucked Up's practice space, and I interviewed the band in pairs. I thought it would be a good idea to pair them up and talk to them. So the order of interviews that you'll hear are Damien Abraham, singer Damien Abraham, and drummer Jonah Falco are first. Then bassist Sandy Miranda and guitarist Ben Cook are up next. And finally, guitarist Mike Halichuk and Josh Zucker are on the show. You're going to hear uh, song fragments from Glass Boys throughout uh, the... Uh, just this, You'll see. You'll hear song fragments. But you'll also hear a song that Mike requests at the end of the show. It is, I'll just tell you, it's the slow version of a song from the new Glass Boys album, Sunglass. So yeah, I think the show's good. You'll enjoy it. If you like Fucked Up, you're gonna like the show. Let's do it. Hey, this week's episode is brought to you by Pizza Trocadero. For my money, the best pizza you can eat in Guelph, Ontario. A proud, independent family business run by a punk rocker, Trocadero only uses a rich array of fresh ingredients cut by hand and homemade dough made daily, all baked to perfection inside of a stone oven. Its gourmet panzerati, calzones, wings, salads, garlic bread, breadsticks, and oh man, the pizza. The pizza, personally... I like the gourmet Domateo with goat cheese, artichoke, roasted red pepper, mushrooms. I sub out the turkey breast for eggplant, but that's just me. Wash the whole thing down with a brio. 
Man, I am getting hungry just talking about this. Call Pizza Trocadero at 519-829-2444. Visit them at 7 Municipal Street in Guelph and online at trocaderoguelph.ca. T-R-O-K-A-D-E-R-O-G-U-E-L-P-H dot C-A. That's Pizza Trocadero, a place of the good trade. Uh, we're behind a dumpster uh, outside of the fucked up practice space, uh, the rehearsal factory, uh, which, uh, well, let's not give the actual street address. No, that's not good form. It's uh, it's somewhere in the west end of Toronto, surrounded by a whole lot of nothing. I feel like you've said too much already. <laughs> it really could be anywhere in the <laughs> west end of Toronto. You're not supposed to give out the address? Is that the deal? Like, no one wants to know. No one wants to know where everyone's gear is kept. No. But I will tell you that Sloan's gear is kept here, too. <laughs> So is Danko Jones's gear. Oh, you know, Danko Jones and I had a falling out. I shouldn't even be talking about it. You're friends with R- D- Danko, aren't you? Yeah, I'm friends with Danko. I, I thought I was I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, like, yo, I'm, I'm going to be totally, like, uh, uh, Nas about this, you know? Like, Nas was friends with Tupac and Biggie. Uh-huh. You know? Like, I'm not going to get involved in your beefs. <laughs> it's not a real beef. It just sort of happened. We were, like, got really tight really quickly, and then it just ended, and I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened with that guy. Some friendships, some romances burn too brightly. You know what? I think it's that he... He can dish it, but he can't take it out sometimes. This is my uh, deal. What, are you trying to get my shit talking to my friend right now? <laughs> you're trying to I'm not getting fucking involved in your beef. And now you're like, you don't know, you know, you know what I say about that asshole. No, no, he's not. I, I like him. That's why it's, I'm actually kind of sad. Do you ever, do you have beefs with anyone, Jonah? Uh, I'm like the most, I'm not, I have beef with like one guy, but. <laughs> you yeah, don't like have beef. Two, I do have beef with one guy. <laughs> two, technically, if you count that other guy. Okay. But There's a couple people that legitimately hate you because of your other band. Yeah. Career oh, suicide? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is oh, third, three guys. Career suicide? That band? Or another band? I could say that it's that band. I could say that it's another band. <laughs> Give me another band, too. That he was like, <laughs> Give me, I had a lot of bands. You, you, you I'm seem, a man about town. You seem like a very nice guy. I just don't think of you as a I, I'm guy. Not, I don't really like... Uh, beef thing doesn't happen with me, particularly. Right. But uh, some fires do burn brightly. Right. Okay. I hear you. When did this band start again? I'm just trying to think about it. 2001. 2001. Yeah. So it's been 13 years. Yeah. And you know what's funny is that this is our advanced uh, practice space where we're a real band and we have a monthly room. But our first practice space, which was in an abandoned stained glass factory, was about 500 meters away. Yeah. So we haven't come very far. Again, you said way too much. I think like <laughs> about the practice spaces. That's not good. But that's that's 13 years. That's quite an accomplishment in itself. Well, yeah, it's like 13 years right beside Canada's Wonderland. It's been like an amazing journey being in the practice spaces right <laughs> yeah. beside Canada's Wonderland. Yeah, I, it was a bit of a yeah. I was not <laughs> expecting to be near Canada's Wonderland. Yeah, that's now. the thing. You yeah. know, we're here. We are right in Canada's Wonderland. No, but it's like You're, you kind of look like you've been on the drop zone, actually. Here, <laughs> <laughs> no one can see this obviously, but my hair is up and I'm getting. <laughs> It's ribbed really it. up. Right. It's really up. I, it was windy in Guelph. I can't emphasize it enough. And now my hair is straight up. It's unusual. <laughs> you got a haircut. You look good. Yeah, I have a haircut. 
Thanks. So I like I keep to keep like my hair trimmed and fresh, and yeah. you know, impermeable to the wind. I'm yeah. new to the podcast game, but I think describing each other's hairs <laughs> is not good radio podcast. No, stuff. it's fine. People, we, can we may it. have derailed. You're supposed to paint so, pictures for people so that they can imagine what we're talking about. So I think. they think you have kid and play hair. <laughs> And Jonah has a very sensible haircut that's good in all weather. Totally. I think it's totally, we look like kid and play right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Now, as Man, I understand things, as I understand things, mm-hmm. over the years, this band has had some tension with it. And how, is is any of that, I know, that is true, right? We all can agree. That yeah, absolutely. You, you know that's you, true. I know it's true. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of the people listening who can't see my hair and don't know anything about Fucked Up, trying to paint them a yeah. picture. So how are things in the band right now? Between some members, it's amazing. Between other members, not so good. Still not good. Yeah, it's still not good. But it's it's gotten better and worse. It's a constantly evolving situation. You know, you talk about a relationship. This has been like a, a marriage for the last seven years. It's been full time, right? Well, or, yeah, six. six whatever. It's been two thousand and eight. So that's been a marriage, right? Because we're all like, yeah. if we one of us quits, we all lose a job. So mm-hmm. it's been like a marriage. And so when you have that kind of marriage, I'm going to say marriage one more time, I promise, and that's it. Uh, it, it, it goes through uh, evolutions. Like, this must be what it's like to be a polygamist in Utah, <laughs> you know, with like multiple <laughs> people married to you. I don't mean like that in a misogynist way. So maybe this no, is like, maybe this is polyamory. You have more than one person to look out for and more than one person that you could be in conflict with at any, t- at any time. So the source of tension is dynamic and ever-changing as well. Mm-hmm. You can't pinpoint why there might be tension. But that's just kind of the nature of the workplace, and, and that's obviously not a very realistic term, but it's a good catch-all. Uh, when you're working with a group of people in a number of ways at a number of different times over like huge swathes of time, it's a matter of time until that gets disrupted. So it seems, seems normal. It seems normal enough to you guys at this point. I was listening to Glass Boys, and I kind of got the impression that, that some of the songs seem to hint at nostalgia, some at disappointment. Sandy. Sandy's here. Sandy. Sandy. She's got headphones on. It's a source of much tension in the band. If you had that Porsche. That would have been... There's, there's a, like a 1990 Porsche 911 Boxster. Yeah, I swear I had a poster of that exact Porsche up in my when I was like a kid. You guys didn't have... Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to drive. I've never been interested really? in cars at all. Yeah. No. Okay. I don't know why. You get them at camp. You could get these like framed photos of. You guys cars. are really hitting all the things I love talking about: hair, <laughs> cars. Hi, Sandy. Hi. We'll talk later. I hope. Anyway, I was. You totally not sold. She that. didn't. She didn't. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you <laughs> think, we're gonna talk <laughs> later, Dick. <laughs> she knows we're supposed to talk, right? I get the impression she Sandy knows. never knows what's going on in the band. Is that unfair? <laughs> you know what? That could be me. That could be me, too. What do you mean, you? You don't know what's going on? Some t- it was a long time where I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> like, really no idea. And then, for some reason, there was... You know, I don't... Here's a we funny... We made him the tour manager. Yeah, no. There's a really funny moment in the history of Fucked Up, speaking of nostalgia, where, like, classically, I was the guy in the van that would say, where are we going today? <laughs> on tour. Everybody would be like, what the hell? How the fuck do you not know? Uh, and then, it came. The, there came the time where there was more responsibility in the band and we were actually like earning money and stuff like that. And I remember having a conversation with Mike and he said, so do you want to do the money in the band? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why the fuck not? (laughs) And he looked at me kind of crooked and said, it's a lot of responsibility. (laughs) I looked back at him and there was a sort of short pause and I said, 
maybe give it to somebody else. <laughs> and then I became the guy in charge of organization. It's just, it took me about three years of momentum to, to understand Sandy, what actually was going on. Sandy does the money, though, in a way, right? Yes. Yeah, so she in, still settles in, all the shows. In the way. I didn't mean to disparage Sandy. I know no, that no, she no, always no. knows what's going on. No, but, but like... No, there, there. She acted like she did not. She did not. She did not. No one sold us. But yes. I, I, th- I think it's also we're going into uh, a rehearsal situation, which is a, uh, you know, always like that's like the one, you know, be like showing up for work. The one time it's like work is rehearsals. Yeah, it's, it drives in van. I was gonna ask about. Uh, sorry, I didn't get to my question. Yeah, yeah. I started talking. I want to ask about the rehearsal situation too, the atmosphere and all that stuff too. But uh, yeah, so I was listening to the record. I hear nostalgia. I hear maybe disappointment within that nostalgia, if that makes sense. You know, thinking back, what could have been. What do you think is going on on this record? You you wrote lyrics for this record. Yeah, I think it's the burden of nostalgia. The burden what, of nostalgia. Yeah, that's what kind of what I'm like. Uh, I look at it as because like you know, nostalgia is is this sort of cumbersome thing that you carry with you, where everything looks better. Uh, in the past, you know, and everything is romanticized in the past and everything in the present never can really compete with the past. And so you kind of always have to resist nostalgia. You have to be like, oh, no, music today is better than it was, you know, or, 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 or as good or it's just different. You know, it's not worse or movies, even though movies are worse today than they used to be. Uh, th- definitely. But TV's better. You know, I can say that. So, you know, that there's no burden of nostalgia with television, though I do miss Seinfeld. Yeah. I miss Seinfeld too. You know, a but bit. but I think that's ultimately yeah with the burden of nostalgia, like sort of like looking back on growing up and and, and all the stuff you loved in music and and just being like, you know, wanting to get back to that moment, but you can't get back to that moment, and there's no point in even worrying about getting back to that moment. The interesting thing about putting this into the context of a band is that um, in our case, we're very lucky in the sense that in terms of how we operate and in terms of what music we've produced, I don't have. I personally don't have nostalgia for how the way things used to be in the band. In fact, I sort of look forward to where they're going. Uh, contrary to what I just told you about not going, not knowing what's going on. Um, and so that's an interesting thing as well to sort of to have this the burden of nostalgia in such a huge portion of your life, but also to kind of be released from it in your in your creative profession in the pursuit of like the things that you do to deal with that nostalgia. Well, yeah, you, it was like, music I, is like about recreating something in some ways. It's but like, you, and you two are both coming uh, at this creation as punk rock music aficionados. A lot of collection going on in that mm. community, almost more, well, not more than any other genre, but in that genre, it's about, you know, knowing the foundation of what you're building upon. I would say that genre more than any other genre, right from the sort of inception it was about collecting. You Documenting. Can, yeah, like you look, you go back, you can hear old punk records about collecting records. Yeah. And you look at Lenny Kay, you know, from Patti Smith uh, Band. Is Patti Smith That's band? right. Yeah. Patti Smith Group. Group. That's what I thought Patti it was. Patti Smith Group. Group or band? <coughs> Isn't it alt- I think it's band now, but I think it was group right, on those first couple right. records. Yeah. But uh, anyway, he was um, compiling those Nuggets compilations and, and, and collecting records. And, and there's like this like idea of... You know, like you know, what, punk is nostalgic music. Like it was about like the Ramones trying to get back to like rock and roll radio and and sort of like trying to collect all these old sort of sounds and bringing it back. And in another way, trying to recreate the spark of the '60s that people feel like they missed. It's the thing that you often hear those bands talking about in the '70s, and it's it's similar for us. I mean, you know, we we missed the heyday of hardcore in some regards. So when we start making music for ourselves, it's like you know, how do I how do I put what we've received from those records into something now like how do you how do you make it count in the same way well, okay. I think every genre of music 
every genre goes through different stages, right? And eventually you'll hit a mannerist stage, and that's where people understand the confines of the genre and begin experimenting with it and playing with it. And I think for rock and roll, that was punk. When yeah. it hit, that's the mannerist stage. And, like, you know, that, that happened with jazz, with free jazz. Happens with, I guess, blue beat music when it becomes dub mm -hmm. after being, you know, reggae and ska. Happens now, I think, with hip-hop. You're seeing the mannerist stage with a lot of the rap stuff that's happening now. Right. Um, and, and so for punk, that was, like where you were able to kind of look back and take different things from all, like politics, take different things from music, take different things from fashion and bring it all together and create this kind of like awesome genre that's all about a hodgepodge of collecting. Right. The, the, the greater question for now, anyway, that I feel is that things are more, maybe more confusing and non-formal as ever. Because there's... There's only my Perrier, sorry. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Because there's so much... Uh, I mean, there's been a lot of time that has passed since the inception of punk and a lot of records. And, and, you know, as time marches on, those music doesn't really go anywhere. It's there for you to find. And more and more people know more and more and more and more people have access to more and more styles. And so music is getting really non-formalized, I find. Or pop music and especially things which can be considered one genre or another. I hear some sonic, uh, I don't want to call them departures because they're not that nutty or crazy but there's instrumentation on this record that i don't remember ever hearing on a fucked up record like guitars bass and drums <laughs> <laughs> there's those things there's a lot more well there's uh there's an acoustic guitar isn't there right. there's like piano there's you're doing more interesting not more interesting that came out like an insult no no no, 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 no. you're doing like a I lot of multi-layered polyrhythmic drumming yeah, i don't well, want to say is, polyrhythmic it actually drumming. it's it does damien and i have this tendency to sort of like say things which we can build off of in interviews with you and so just going off of what Damien was saying about <laughs> having that moment where everybody understands what to do and then starts fooling around it's sort of what has happened on this record so we've made a normal statement with sort of abnormal methodology and so there's there's the thing you're alluding to is the multiple drum kits on every song so there's we and this is all stuff that we've done in the past so there's yeah. there's been two drum kits on at least four or five fucked up songs in the past there's been acoustic guitar and fucked up songs okay. in the past there okay. has been mandolin there has been piano there's been organ all of these things not a departure no uh, it it's a uh, it's using those previous departures to make another departure huh. so there are two drum kits playing one tempo of every song simultaneously matched exactly and there are two uh, drum kits playing a halftime tempo on the song so this would be the departure to take what is already a sort of simplistic punk song rock and roll song and then do something to i don't know make it more difficult <laughs> now these are production choices essentially i mean production and arrangement choices where do those come from uh well that one and i wish i could take credit for the idea myself because being the drummer and everything but that was a it was a mike idea he had it in his head that uh some of these songs would sound good at half tempo uh -huh. so when we were rehearsing uh, Mike, Josh, and I were fooling around with the song Echo Boomer, and the Echo Boomer intro is this sort of like Zeppelin-y halftime beat, and we just played it through the whole song. And then it doesn't take much of a stretch of the imagination to apply that to any sort of up-tempo song. There's a lot of room. You know, the, the halfway point isn't comedic. It sort of feels, it gives it a lot more space. Right. So the immediate effect of doing the instrumentation uh, in that way is that you get these polyrhythmic effects and you have like a whole other texture in the song and the deluxe version of the album of course comes with a second LP which is just the halftime drums and the effect of that where you have sort of a lack of instrumentation compared to the full version is that there's this whole other range of sonics that's missing in the fast version and Fucked Up has never done 
a particularly slow song with yeah. that much space in it. So, like, yeah. the drums occupy, like, tons of frequency. So, who knew? More is less. Now, you also have some special guests on the record. Um, were they chosen for any particular reason? Uh, were they? Yeah, like, yeah, like definitely... Uh, when I write a song, I'll hear someone else's voice singing it normally. And I'll often, hear, th- this is a thing the band has also done. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, I'll hear diff- and I'll hear parts, different parts, and I'll be like, that would sound cool if this person sang. And this time there was like, you, you can ask Jonah, there were moments where this was going to look like the cast of Hair, the number of people that was going to be on this fucking record. Like, I would come in the studio, and I'd be like, sitting there, I'd be like, okay, yo, Jonah, think about this person doing this part and Joan would be like yeah that'd be cool um, and then it was just and I had just kind of like this moment of realization of oh, not realization more insecurity like th- how would that look on this record if I didn't do anything and so then it became a point of trying to step my vocals up and trying to make sure that I was trying to have range in what I did hmm. um, and and I dialed it back and just kind of stuck to people that I consider part of the band like part of our friends um, so there were a couple of people I reached out to through Matador, for instance, and I, they, I'd be like, can we get this person? They'd be like, yes, we can. They said yes, and I'd be like, amazing. Or I'd reach out to someone like, hey, you know, I'm a huge fan. Would you mind now, doing this? And I chickened out on all those people, and hmm. <laughs> now I'm really embarrassed that I didn't write them back and cancel properly. But but now there was, I remember reading in some early interview or some article that you were trying to keep the guest list a bit of a secret. Is that still the case? Well, I just don't want to talk about it. Like, it's just like, I, well, I, I, it's not like I don't want to talk about it. Like, it's just like this weird thing where I don't want it to be like... Dropping names? Yeah, like, I don't want it to be dropping names. Like, I don't want it to be like, uh, like trying to shill the record on the strength of who's on okay. it you know like and that's and that's like and it's just like one of those things where you know all these people are amazing people and like mean a ton to me as people like you know uh oh like you know like you know did really important jay was the first person i ever saw perform live. jay mascus yeah and 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 stuff and so and like you know other people are like really close friends and like you know it's it's weird in music when you wake up and you're like this these are the people i'm really close to these are the people i'm really tight with and I, and I and I just like they were the people that I, I could hear singing on that record and parts and I'm like these are the people I'm comfortable asking to be here but I mean to to what you're saying where you don't want it to be kind of like a name dropping situation or a, a gimmicky thing mm-hmm. everyone I think by and large that you asked to participate has kind of a background role or they kind of pepper a song yeah yeah I know and, and that's the thing is like that's the other thing is I don't want it to be like you know, feature, and then people be like, I expect him to drop 16 bars, and then all he did was sing a couple backup lines, you know? No, that's true, too. I mean, that's I, fair. I think that that's the most reasonable way to do things, it's, and it's telling that at the beginning of that you said, I only ask people that are basically in the band. And it's, so it's like these, you know, with the exception of some one of the guests maybe like that is maybe i would consider one ring further away from our friends group than others but he's like he's actually like he's that's like, the he's one a huge i'm fan and, and i'm also super tight with yeah, that's yeah. the dude that i'm like that's the one <laughs> that's that's, the one, that's like the uh, elephant in the room uh right now but he's like someone that i've become is he sing, Gord Downing. does Gord he Downing. sing the part the privilege of mass yeah. yeah okay yeah. sorry so that's that, like Gord like Gord Downey, it, you're talking about Gord Downey. yeah and he's become like a <laughs> and he's become someone that i would consider like uh, uh, like a, 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 a someone that I you know wasn't a huge fan of as a kid you know like uh-huh. I would I would say actively I, I wasn't a fan okay uh, because I hated the kids in my school that liked them and I then was, it was yeah. Mike that played me on a trip to Ottawa do you remember that when he played like he played this tragically hip song and I'm like fuck this song's awesome and kind of Mike a fan 
I don't know. He, Mike, Mike is a fan of songs. He'll like yeah. pick a song and love it and be like, I can't believe you like that band. And he's like, I don't like the band. I like the song. What yeah. song was it? Do you remember? I can't even remember what song he played us. And then it was kind of like going back and be kind of rediscovering, you know, that Sloan thing. It's not the band I hate, it's the fans. Right. And then we just kind of like, you know, struck up a bit of a friendship. And he's someone that I is a oh fuck. I feel so fucking weird talking about this shit. This is the exact thing you didn't want to do. I know, do, it's exactly not what I want to do. You're, fuck you're it. You're slightly high. But, you know, uh, you marijuana know, the calms record. the anxiety, <laughs> and now all the anxieties about why I didn't want to do this is fading away. I do think you should finish your thought, though. Why, go ahead. I just think he's someone that I, I really look up to, and someone that I think has found a way to exist in this music world. Uh, that I really admire and that's uh, I know you're coming off a concept album mm-hmm. and I don't think that this is necessarily a concept record well I think it is Mike, do Mike it does is. Mike doesn't I think it is I think there definitely is a concept and I think there is a linear progression in the record like it's funny I didn't have any say in the arrangement of the songs but when you listen to it the sequencing you mean or? the sequencing yeah. that's what I meant yeah. sorry uh, you can kind of hear a narrative I, well, at least maybe that's what I'm hearing. I do too, and I when I hear when I and because I could look through the liner notes and I can see what Mike has written, and what you've written, and Mike's songs to me seem like these epic narrative things, like these seems to be drawing from history and things like that. Yours seem more personal, mm-hmm. almost less universal. And I think if I'm wrong, I don't know if I'm wrong, but you seem to be grappling with your role mm-hmm. as a singer in a punk rock band yeah. that's talking to Rolling Stone and talking yeah. to all these people nowadays. Yeah, yeah, and and I think it's and it's 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 hard to be. I was perfectly set up to fail, you know, like I career wise, I had gone to university long enough and not finished anything that I was like, okay, I'll be bitter about that. Uh, I played in a band that was like buzzed about for a second. That was like this hardcore band that was like buzzed about in the hardcore community. So I was set up for that to be Uh bitter about how my band never went to the next level. And I was set up for just like this sort of like complete, just like what could have been with my whole life thing and then all of a sudden fucked up just kind of like happened i'm being, I'm being summoned to the rehearsal yeah we we have okay. to no, no, I'll continue. no no we have to go no you can, you can, I, I, I wanted to i wanted to talk to everyone in the band and i think giving everyone equal time is is fine now just before you go no no he's, he wants to we're wrapping it equal up. time for everyone we're wrapping it up oh mike <laughs> can't wait yeah to, no i think i think Mike's i think um yeah that's that for me is like a, a lot of it is just trying to find where to exist and I think that's like a, a lot of people I know in in just our age because we're all about the same age struggle where like where do you fit in now like yeah. where do you fit in this world and and yeah like when I when when I somehow became my like wildest fantasy of what I would be doing like the thing that was like I didn't know how to play guitar I don't play drums. I certainly didn't look like the singer strung out, you know, like there were like there were even things that were preventing me from being in like a punk band that I liked at 14, you know, and, and, and stuff like that. But here I am like in that exact role, like not I'm still not as good looking as the dude from strung out. But but at the same time, like I've, I've met no effects. Like I've gone on tour with Dave Grohl, like all these things that were as a kid, like, fuck, that's yeah. a wild fantasy. So, so things are coming true. All right, you guys got to practice, and I don't. Oh, that, was, sorry, that was good. Buddy. No, it's fine. Um, I'm gonna ask everyone this before the end of the yeah. interview. If you could, but I, and I don't know which song I'm gonna play. But yeah. if you could pick a song from the record, what would it be? Warm change, last song on the A side. I think that it's like it has a bit of everything that uh, people talk about when they talk about the record is in that song. We <laughs> like it's like uh, from a musical perspective. <laughs> so like obviously the the lyrics I would. It's got crazy polyrhythm. It's got like really weird time signature. It's got a, like a bit. It's kind of a 
bitter nostalgia in that song. Paper always beats the rock. I know that's yeah. a, that's a Mike song, and uh, and then the one thing that they don't talk about is the kind of Elton John esque outro, uh, which is not the reason I chose it, but it's a bonus. Okay, so I'm gonna put it to a vote. We'll see what everyone else says. I say debt. You say debt? Yeah. Okay, you can hang on to that. I'm oh, going with you. Want me to come with Thanks, Jonah. This Thanks. is like this is like the Polaris all over again. No, not not exactly. Right. <laughs> it's just as glamorous. All right, you guys have a good practice. All right. Thanks, buddy. Just so you know, you got to put it back. Oh, it started? Yeah, well, you didn't tell me it started. Well, I just uh, hit record. We're, this ne- isn't necessarily going to be part of the show, but it could be. Okay. Are you? Do you have like a thing where you like, are you dictatorial in a way? Are you producing my interview now? No, no, but I, I have some uh, broadcasting experience. What is your broadcast experience? Uh, from the age of 16 to 19, I did a radio show at CIUT Mods and Rockers with Damien and Jeff Cohen. And then I did my own radio show at CKLN Ryerson overnights for a year, for like, you know, once a month. And um, I worked in television for Alliance Alliance Broadcasting for seven years. Yeah, that was your gig before Fucked Up. Yeah, although I started both the same year, 2001. Oh. But then left work at, in 2008. Did you say Jeff Cohen, the guy that owns like the Lee's Palace the Horseshoe? Like yeah. That, collective Concerts? Yeah, yeah. He did a radio show with you? He did a radio show for a long time, which actually began in Montreal. And then, he, yeah, he did Modern Rockers for like 20 years or something. And oh. at one point, when we were doing the show in the late 90s, uh, there was interest from the CBC, actually, to uh, pick it up. Um, but then for some reason, that didn't happen. Yeah, that happens from time to time. <laughs> yeah. It happens from time to time with CBC. Uh, ben, how was your practice today? Uh, quick. It was good. Yeah. You guys are, where are you going tomorrow? New Jersey. What, what's the deal? You're just playing one show and coming home? We're driving down for like, takes like 10 hours to get down there. And then we're playing for 25 minutes and then we're driving all the way home. (laughs) Why would you do such a thing? What's the deal? What's the show? It's just how we roll. Uh, It's this uh, festival called Skate and Surf or something. And uh, I recognize a few bands, you know, it's a gig, you know. It's fucked up in a place now where you're, I'm not suggesting you haven't been selective in making this choice. But aren't you at a point where you can turn down stuff like this if it doesn't make sense? I think it makes perfect sense. I think it makes sense. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty into the in, whole in and out thing. Yeah, no, that's fair. But the whole like, why are you driving? Why not fly in? For it's such a- much more expensive. Huh. Six people, six flights. Sandy would never allow that. that. Like like that would be eighteen hundred dollars alone in flights. There's backline and stuff. You're just gonna like. Uh, we're actually bringing backline. What? Yeah, we drive we drive everywhere. Yeah. All right. This is. Have fun with that. That's fine. <laughs> now, I want to ask you both about your involvement in Fucked Up. When did it start? Do you remember uh, years, days of the week, months? Yeah, it was March 2001. Uh, <laughs> I knew you would know. That's for you. Okay. Oh, you're talking about No, both now. of you. Both of you. That's March That's my history, yeah. How did you end up uh, being in the band? Uh, Mike just asked all of us separately to, if we wanted to be in a band. I played in a band in high school. I played bass. And I think they wanted a girl in the band, so, you know, I was a bass-playing girl and, you know, asked to join the band. And at the time, you know, I'd seen Mike around at shows, seen Joan around with his Dropkick Murphys jacket, you know. He was in a band before, too. They'd play, like, 
opera house and stuff because yeah and uh josh I'd, I'd seen around too and damien you know from the radio show and also from our bands in high school we used to do battle of the bands you know um so, so you were connected to damien because of your radio show that's how you guys met. I'm connected to Damien because of my involvement in Toronto punk in the, in the 90s. That's how I, I knew Sandy and Damien from Mods and Rockers Radio. You knew them from their show? I was a fan of the show, and I was I was on the show a couple times, maybe. I would, like, send my demos in, like, maybe, get, maybe get made fun of a little bit by Jeff Cohen. Um, what was your band called? Smegheads. Smegheads? Like, yeah, it's a Red Dwarf reference. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you, so you, you listened to the show, and then you were on the show, and then you gradually I became friends. Sandy was pretty annoying on the show. To be honest. Yeah, it was, I was annoying. Like, I had a stutter, and I'm I was just kidding, Sandy. Insecure. We're, yeah, no, you had a stutter, you had a speech impediment. I, I, Damien was like, I, Damien was way more annoying on, on, Damien, on air, I think. Damien was is great at speaking. You know, like even back then, he like I he, I could tell he was a good speaker. I had, I had a stutter, and I would stutter on the radio. <laughs> nah, it was sick. It was college radio. It was awesome. Yeah. Okay, so you're just you're ribbing her. You were really a fan of the show. I was a huge fan. I would stay up. I would stay up in my bed and watch it or listen to it, and tape it. I would tape it and listen to it in art class in the the next morning. How old were you? Fifteen, sixteen. Oh, okay. And how old were you? Nineteen, did you say? I was sixteen when I in ninety six. You were sixteen doing that show? Yeah. Wow. So what drew you to doing stuff at that age? Just I wanted to get involved in in punk, like you know, I just wa- wanted to find wanted to myself. Meet bands and interview them, and like. Well, I wanted to eventually be able to like do music, you know, and uh, it's kind of crazy that it's actually what I'm doing now because I'd wanted to so bad in high school, to you know play in a band like I did a zine, uh, for a few years, um, the radio show I, I used to help out Raw Energy Records, um, and like later Fat Re- like the Fat Rec publicist who was a friend of mine here, Melanie. Melanie K. Yeah, she's. Great. I was her intern in, in the nineties. Oh, I didn't know that. And um, yeah, and then when the band came about, you know that that's cool, and then like. In 2008, quitting my job to do the band, I was like, whoa. Also, funny story, last day of work, finished work, rode my bike down to Massey Hall and opened up for the Stooges. Oh, that's right. You guys did that show. Yeah, it was August 6, 2008. Your last day. Good for you. That's pretty pretty cool. Now, Ben, you you joined the band somewhat later than most other folks is that right yeah i joined the band like i don't know sandy what month day did I? Uh, your first show official show was november 2000 <laughs> you're crazy well, um, well no because the books i, I do the books i gotta write right, it down right, yeah i gotcha, uh, I gotcha, I gotcha, that, I gotcha. that uh how, the, the williamsburg no show. you're wrong it was montreal mike had a broken arm oh i forgot about um that. but uh I joined the van. I was a roadie. I like roadied in a little england. bit in, in england first because i was like on a trip over there um and I guess, you know, I was, like, setting up the amps and stuff like that, like, you know, from my previous band, just, like, doing my thing. And I, I guess, I don't know, Mike liked the vibe of it, you know. I think he had, like, a crush on me for, like, the first two years in the band, like, you know, stealing my vibe here and there. Um, but, uh, oh, and then it kind of became normal. Like, then we all started, like, you know, like, get used to each other being in the band. Um, but that's when I joined the band. It was right before Chemistry right before the band signed to Matador. So I like missed all the like, you know, the, the like crusty stuff. And like, just like, like joined right before all the baller stuff. Right. Yeah. But you joined just, <laughs> but the profile of the band by that point was very high. I mean, they went on to win this award, this Polaris Music Prize thing. And then everyone was talking about the band. Was it weird that you missed all the crusty stuff and then were in the band when they were arguably at their most popular? 
no, it wasn't weird. I mean, I was doing my thing before, so, you know, it was just kind of like a transition, but I was like, I had a down period for about two years where I wasn't really involved much in bands. And then I was working at a tea shop, I think, or I was like packing tea in the East End somewhere. And uh, Mike emailed me, he was like, do you want to join? And I was like, sure, yeah, sounds good. Now, over the years, the general public has heard that there's often tension within this band and that it doesn't ever seem to completely subside. Like, anytime I'm around you, you seem to be getting along. What, how would you rank the current level of tension within Fucked Up? It varies second by second, I would say. Um, but speaking of tension and Ben, like, when he joined, he was, like, in my mind, like, a bit of a buffer between us. He's the new guy, you know, he wasn't, you know, he's new energy, you know what I mean? Like, to sort of, you know... Yeah, like just be the buffer between us, and I'd say I you hadn't know, really it experienced the like, the fucked up, you know, atmosphere, so to speak. Even as a roadie, you didn't see anything. I was just kind of like oblivious to it. I was like, oh, I know what bands are like. Like every band, every band has its dramas, blah 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 blah. But then over the years, it kind of broke me down, broke me down, and then now I'm just completely like, I kind of like in my 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 uh, instincts to this to that kind of stuff is to kind of like remove myself to be like kind of like you know so I'm a little I've always been like kind of like a little bit on the outside maybe just like socially in the whole group but uh That's yeah a, like it's Ben like he's found the sort of zen that I hope to attain in order to survive <laughs> this band because if I don't find that z- fucked up zen then I'm gonna go fucked up have you found it no but I'm working on it I started meditating just because of being in this band this band is fucking breaking me apart inside really no <laughs> yeah is that because you're the bookkeeper or just because of the general it's just all kinds of things and i and i think some of it too is like i'm just like a different person from everybody else well like, that's everyone's everybody's a- everyone's different. different but to be the one that's different from the rest of the group too just in my own physiology that factors in somewhere. oh i see i see what you're saying yeah say tensions in the band right now are like you know kind of the same between a few people and better between other people as you may see in some of the latest press between Mike and Damien, they kind of are having a, as Damien put it, an acquiesce moment to uh, um, uh, reference Oasis. Um, but yeah, I, I personally just kind of remove myself from any like kind of dramatic, like emo sensitive tensions that are build within fucked up and or else I would just not want to be involved. Okay, now this is interesting to hear from you because my understanding, Ben, and I vague I have vague recollection of this, but weren't you a bit of an antagonizer in the online realms, message boards and things like that? Yeah, for sure. I was like a I was a young dipshit once. Right. So I'm still kinda loud. I'm still a little louder than I'd like to be sometimes, but on Facebook you're always going off about something. Yeah, I mean I really well, I'm a pretty passionate person, I'm a pretty opinionated person and you know so I think more people in Toronto specifically should be a little bit louder you like a little bit bit more opinionated like not so like on the fence about stuff and kind of like you know t- talking shit behind closed doors about each other and stuff like that i'm just trying to like do good for the city okay but that but but within this band you you step back yeah i mean like mike takes the lead and stuff like that and like i'm i i like to write songs and i like to you know go on stage and play music and that's kind of where it ends with me Okay. Now, you guys had an interesting role in the making of this record. I went to Chicago with, at the time, I guess it was Jonah, Josh, and Mike. Um, so they were basically, this was at Electrical Audio, they were recording 
a chunk of the record, but without the other three members, which some of it, like Colin Medley was with me as well. And we're like, huh, that's interesting. Is that normal? Do you always record in chunks like that? Well, when we started, you know, we'd play, you know, we record live off the floor. Everyone in the same room, you know, cabinets in, in, in their own little, you know, cubicles. And, uh, and yeah, we play together. But um, as we became more professional i guess we started recording separately you know what i mean like drums first and then some guitar beds you know what i mean um and then like you know you you just layer on layer then you know you get some bass in you get another you know uh, more guitars in you know and then the vocals and pieces like it all kind of comes together that way okay so this wasn't unusual you weren't like oh i wish i could have gone to chicago I think it was just that they like the people the people who wanted to go off and focus in like another city without any distractions were wanted to do that and like personally i don't want to sit around in a studio for 10 hours and then like share a bunk bed with jonah or josh or mike like no disrespect to them that's just not how i'd like to make a record i think right because they did they did part of it in chicago part of it in benton harbor michigan is that what it's called yeah i mean like traveling traveling to record is probably awesome it's just not really i it's it, it worked out fine. The three of them going, doing that, their thing, and us f- doing the rest in Toronto. I like. I would like. Don't get me wrong. I would have gone to Chicago, but I mean, I wasn't asked, so I just didn't. I mean, if we were recording in the Bahamas or some shit, I probably would have gone. But Chicago in the winter, it's like, why bother? It was spring, but it was nice. Is we it, had a good yeah. time. Michigan in the winter. Michigan yeah. in the winter. So, so then the writing process is they. I presume it's Mike and Jonah had a, the lion's share of like making the songs, and you were kind of asked to add your parts after is that how it worked no songs no, we're all in the room for the most part i think there was like three songs that josh and jonah and mike did uh at the end um for like to kind of finish things off but uh for the most part it was um it was last summer we were at the practice yeah. space five of you know the five of us would meet at the space and five days a week for like you yeah. know three hours okay. a day for two months yeah. and we're all in there and we demo the songs and then they kind of like you know they're pretty much formed once they get down to, and once they're demo demo-fied and then um you know people go and travel around and lay it down wherever wherever they want okay. yeah like like mike and jonah are like the creative leads you know and, and it, the pieces kind of fit together you know and like get kind of sewn together and stuff like in in the room i mean as a bass player you know there are three guitars doing their thing i just have to find the middle yeah you know it's not like we're rushing. The bottom, really. You have to find the bottom, not the middle. I, I like to say middle, but with a big bottom. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So you're not as external to the process as I guess I may have thought. Like, I was just looking through the liner notes, and, I mean, you, you're you singing on the record? Yeah, I'm singing on the record. You're singing on the record. You bet. What's, what's in the liner notes? I think it says you're singing. Cool. And it says which guitar song, like, which parts you play guitar on, and you don't play bass on every what? song. It specifies yeah. which parts are played by. No, 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 no. It says like which songs you have. Yeah, it, it says like guitar on songs. Oh, ben okay. Cook, guitar on songs, whatever. Yeah. Five and six or whatever. Yeah, Jonah, yeah, I think. <laughs> That's not right, is it? I don't remember. <laughs> Jonah ended up playing bass on three songs and I'm just saying, you know, it's a little touch, touchy for me. Is that weird for you? Yeah, because I should be playing them. Whatever you know? gets the record done, Sandy. It's yeah, a, I mean, I, I guess, you know, I get it, you know. This Time band, is of the essence, of, you know. a lot of egos, and they need to be stroked constantly. From your perspective, what is Glass Boys about? Have you spent time listening to what Damien's barking about or looking at lyric sheets or anything like that? 
I've skimmed some interviews, and right. it's I think it's about uh, I it's about Damon and Mike's uh, weird uh, vibes about getting older, <laughs> apparently, and they wrote it together, and they're friends now. They weren't always friends. No, they used to be enemies, but now they're friends. They used to be enemies in the band. Yes, within the band. It's crazy. And okay, so you, your sense it's it's about reaching a point of maturity, perhaps, or. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. What? I haven't read the lyrics, just listened to them. I've listened to the album a lot. And uh, to me, it's kind of about like, cr- like this crumbling that comes with age and um, this like uncertainty, you know. Um, Doubt. Doubt and just kind of like like what like I I okay. Glassbox to me is about getting older year after year and still looking like you're 16. Can you relate to that? Yeah. <laughs> you look like a young guy, and you've been in enter- the entertainment business for a long time. Totally. It's like we're all in our 30s now. You know, some of us are in our mid-30s. And I think uh, it's sort of like kind of like almost a a midlife crisis in an album, Um, which, you know, I'm not involved in any of the lyrics. But uh, from what I've seen, from what I've heard and what I've seen also in the uh, art for the record, um, I just I just feel like there's a sadness there. And uh, it's about like end days to me. Huh. That kind of malaise you get to as an adult, maybe, or like that kind of... I think everyone is kind of going through this. I don't want to pontificate too much, but there's this general feeling that it's end times. Do you have that? Do you feel that? End times in terms of what? Well, that's what end times means, the end of everything. Everything is almost over. No, I, I don't think that at all. You're, you're optimistic. I'm a pessimist. Yeah. I think I'm it's... I, I see a lot of like... You know, I meet different people every all the time. And I'm really excited about new things. I just feel like new ways to make music, new ways to hear music. The future of fucked up. I still think we have quite a lot of gas in us. Uh, in ter- uh, even though you know, we always talk about maybe it being the last record. Yeah, or whatever. I think about that all the time. I just think that's just like typical fucked up, dramatic f- fashion. But I think, you know. There's a there's a lot of gas left. I don't know. It's, uh, there's a there's a hole in the people, tank. There's a hole in that tank, man. Wow. See, look, she's the opposite of you, Ben. Yeah, I know. And she does the bookkeeping, so she knows what's going on. Shit is dying I mean, right now. 
people talk. The environment, people talk about the ending things, but nobody I'm not does any. Kids. And where it ends, nothing. Okay. I, I'm not just having kids, going, man. Things just bring keep to plowing them. forward, and that's totally cool. I think everyone should just be happy about it. All right, well, that's an interesting outlook. And do you think that sentiment, these conflicting sentiments, maybe are within this record? Have you got a sense that there is that tension as well between how do you be optimistic in a world where you don't feel like you fit in? I think the optimism will come, like, you know, if the record does well. So the record itself is like, you know, kind of like a pessimistic statement, but uh, what it creates could be positive. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. That's all right. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Listen, um, I, I asked the other two guys to pick a song from the record to hear, and I'm, I'm going to ask all, everyone I interview to do that. And then if something gets more than one vote, that's the song. So what would you want to hear uh, if to go out? Hmm. I don't know the real names of the songs. <laughs> so I'm going to say Sunglass. Okay, Sunglass. It's one of my favorite songs on the record. There's, there's, I think there's a f definitely a few bangers on the record, and that's one of them. You're, you're happy with the record? Yeah. Question mark. Man, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a cool record. It's a fucked up record. Okay. It's a loud, emotional eruption of two guys just giving it their all. And a bunch of other cool cool dudes just, and girls. No, I think I think the record is cool. Um really excited about playing it. But it's not, you know, it's not all con candy and unicorns and strawberries in fucked up land, you know? And so... Sandy, nobody thinks that. Unfortunately, I'm just saying that when you hear the record, which well, I'm excited about... When they hear this about, interview, they'll, they'll know that. I'm sure. just saying that It's interesting it how brings, much you want to articulate that tension. I'm, yeah, I'm trying, but... Um, no, no, but I mean in public. Like, sometimes people... A lot of bands have this kind of tension. Sandy and needs to do, like, Glass Girls and really talk about her feelings on no, her, you know... I just like think... Like, David's Town should be, you know, Sandy's Glass Girls. I don't know. Girl I'm group just saying. Girl group record. I'm just saying... Anyway, the record I'm really excited about, it's just that this time right now is, to me, not a really good time, so... Even though I like the record, it evokes like painful things for me. Okay. Did you want to pick a song based on what you just said there from the um, record? Sure, Glass Boys. You would pick Glass Boys. Okay, we'll see what happens. Everyone has picked something different, so I don't know what's going to happen here. Uh, another one would be, um, I don't, I think it's. I think we only swinging. get one choice. <laughs> okay. All right. It would like ruin, it would, it would. It wouldn't work if we did two. Yeah, if everyone gets more than one vote, it's really going to skew the results. The whole voting thing. Well, can I retract that vote? Sure, go ahead. I just need to look at the name of the song. Uh, which, which is the one... I have it on my phone. Do you want to... Yeah, because okay, I on. just want to get the titles out. Okay, hang on. I wonder if it's swinging. It's like Sandy ordering something at a restaurant. She just... It's the one with the really weird bass in it where I keep going to the high E. Uh, it just has a... Da-na-na-na-na-na-na-na. Okay, there's the record. No idea, no idea. Sunglass, you were right. That's the actual name of the title. Oh, I know that one. Oh, you know that one. Okay. That is a video. Fuck. It's how much music. What's it? Maybe is it great to five? Is there a speaker what on? The here? hell is D T. You guys I don't, don't know. know the names of no, your. We only have the no. working title. What is D T? We use the working titles. I forgot. Is that a drug reference? Detroit. No. It's I hope the next record is a lot more druggy. It probably Seems will like be. Seems like it will be based on what Damien's been talking about. I hope so. 
This is a cool pop record. This is like a you know continuation of David Comes to Life, but I think we still have some gas in us to do some crazy experimental drug shit. And yeah, are you into the drugs? Yeah. That's fine. You don't. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I don't know. I, I'm not going to talk about it. No, I didn't ask you to. Not, I know. I, you know, other people can talk about it because they love to talk about it, but uh, drugs are just part of life mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. All right. So, okay. Sandy, did you have a yeah, choice? Yeah, I think it was swing. I just want to confirm. Do you have to get my voice re- re- requesting it? What? Yeah, just tell me the name of the song. Fuck. What does that mean? Because I don't remember. I don't know. Oh, it's not this one. Can I go? Yeah, well, hang on, Ben. I just want right. to. Sorry, I didn't know this was going to be such an ordeal. This was supposed to. Yeah, DT. DT. The the ending on this song is super tight. It's a great record. You guys. DT. Yeah, great. I I like that one. That one's powerful. Like when I hear it. I'm not going to say anything about it until someone tells me what that means. Okay, we'll find out. I'll find out. I'll ask. Could be offensive. I could be. It could be offensive. (laughs) I'll ask the next pair. DT. Ben, Sandy, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Good luck in New Jersey and elsewhere. Take care. Thanks. Thank you. I need to ask one of you, Josh or Mike, about the song D-E-T. Ben didn't know what that song was or what it stood for, what it means. Can one of you explain? That's a Damien song. It's a Damien song, but you don't know what the D-E-T origin? You don't talk about the songs together? It's a song. I don't want to talk about his lyrics. Oh, okay, okay. I'll tell you off, I'll tell you off the record. How was your practice? Uh, fine, you were here for it, weren't you? No, I left. I had to go to the bakery to get buns for Damien, and I got somebody a coffee. It was good. We ran through half of the songs on the new record once, and that's a good fucked up practice. So you guys are going 10 hours to Jersey to play 25 minutes, is that right? Well, I, th- I think it's supposed to be 8 hours. Less than 10 hours. Oh, I'm sorry, okay. But you're literally playing half an hour? Less twenty five minutes. Is that less? Sorry, twenty five minutes. Why? Why would you do such a thing at this juncture, in the bands? Like, couldn't you at this point say no to stuff like that if you wanted to? Like, why do you want to do that? To get paid money. They pay you a lot of money to come down for twenty five minutes. That's right. We're doing it. We flew to Japan to play one show, so this is a lot better than that by a couple hours. We flew to England the first time we the first time we went a long distance for. For one single show was uh, to England when we were brought over to play by Vice to play Tales of the Jackalope Festival, and our set ended up only being four songs because they shut the power down. Oh. It's sort of ideal. You have to drive. If we were playing for two hours, it would be the same drive, but this way we just have the same drive, and we have, get to play for less amount of time, so it's better. We have to play, if you were like, you're it's driving like, to New like, Jersey to play for five hours, you'd be like, would that be better or worse? Yeah, that's true. You're right. You're absolutely right. I never it's thought like of it that half, way. half a day of school, right? Right. Great. Yeah. You know, fire. You have to go home from work at lunch. Great. Right. <laughs> you wouldn't be like, oh, I wasted all this time commuting just to work for four hours instead of eight. You're right. You're absolutely right. That's a good perspective. All right. That's good. Some bands like to maximize their time on stage. You don't really care. You just want to play and then It's an incredibly home. cynical, jaded perspective. <laughs> there seems to be some cynicism on this record that I wanted to ask you about, Mike, and uh, because I get the sense that uh, there's nostalgia, but there's also kind of disappointment. Uh, can you talk a little bit about some of the themes running through these songs, on uh, your songs, not Damien's? 
Do you have a specific question? It's a pretty pretty general question, I suppose. Was that a question? Yeah, that was a question. Statement. <laughs> do you do you agree that there's uh, waves of nostalgia running through you at this point as a songwriter? Yeah. Yeah. I would say that's correct. Okay. Well, I've been reading some interviews and things like that. It seems to be something that's on your mind. Growing older is that fair? Yeah, like it's as about growing older for sure. Where where are you at with that? Being in a punk band at how old are you? Twenty nine. For real? Yeah. You're only twenty nine. Yeah. How old are you? I'm 36. Did you just make a screw face on me because I'm older? Older than me, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm older. And, I, and I, I have also been going through this, like, what, what am I doing with myself? Are you going through that at all? Yep, that's what that the, rec- the record's about that. What am I doing with myself? Where am I? Who am I? How did I get here? Where am I going? When will I get there? How long have I been going there? How long will it take to get there, wherever there even is? You know, all these sorts of things. I guess these are common philosophical questions that people go through when they reach this age. Um, yeah, from all, a lot of my older friends have been, t- 32-year-olds, 33-year-olds, have been saying that this is what you go through, 36-year-olds. Right, right. So I think it's quite common. Now, How old are you? 29. Is he really 29? Can You can't say. Can as you tell me? Tell no, me. as far as I know, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't you just tell me how old you are? Do you want to be? For, do you are you self conscious about getting older? Yeah, well, didn't you notice we wrote a whole record about it? Yes, I did. That's why I want to ask you, Josh. What's your take on the uh, record? That uh, oh, the other thing I wanted to ask about is that you and Damien did you not collaborate more as songwriters on this record? Uh, no, we still did. We just wrote half. We each took half the songs and we didn't write together really. Okay. Did you have conversations about where you were going at? Because his he seems to be really uh, going through that same thing where he's like wrestling with the idea of even being in a band uh, as a guy his age. Are, are you feeling that same same sort of, it's not malaise, but like tension about where you're at? It's not really tension. It's more, it's not even, a, the music thing for me isn't really about age. It's more about since we didn't start out trying to be in a band full time. It's, it's not tension. It's just weirdness about having spent all this time in a band and not having, when I was younger, I didn't have aspirations to be a musician. When, when did you start playing music? When I was 13. Okay, so you were, you were a younger guy. I started playing, I played piano as like eight, I think, or nine, but that was, I had to play piano. And then I started a band, but I didn't want to be like in a band as for my life. Right, right. What about you, Josh? When did you start playing music? Uh, when I was uh, 12, I guess, my first band. 12 years old? So mm-hmm. you guys both started like quite young. That's pretty pretty remarkable. Well, what inspired you to start playing? Um, I was just I was in the part of the punk hardcore scene in Toronto, southern Ontario, and that was a thing to do: start a band. Right. What was your first band? Young Blood. Young Blood. You make records or anything? We were on a tape comp. Okay. Cassette comp. Okay. That's All about right. it. So when you reflect back on that initial pull, that draw for you to make music. Do you do you have a similar sort of set, like now it's become a job? You were, we were talking earlier about how you you know you get paid money to do it. Are you conflicted about that? Sometimes, yeah. 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 <laughs> Sometimes it's like because uh, my sense from Damien is that he's really conflicted in his songs about about that whole idea. I'm a self-conscious person, so I'm I'm conflicted about getting money, feeling like I don't deserve it. Right. I understand. Mike, you say you weren't 
really thinking about being in a band in your life, what did you see yourself doing at this point in your life? Um, Well, the two things I cared about when I was a kid were, I mean, that's the thing. I didn't have a plan really. I mean, I picked my university major the day before I signed up for university. I didn't like, I wasn't really drawn to any profession or like didn't have aspirations to do anything really. So I guess being in a band is a perfect thing. It's a perfect way out. It's just, I guess the rarity comes from the fact that like we do it for a job now. Cause otherwise I, maybe I'd still be just like a guy working at a grocery store who also was in a band. There seems to be, uh, I was thinking of the song, and forgive me if I get this title wrong, is it The Art of Patrons? Yep. And I was just thinking about, is that a is that a, is that a sort of discussion about having an audience and how they interact with you as a... Damien song, too. Damn it. Oh, I wish I had the liner notes. Okay, you can't comment on The Art of Patrons. Free not. Okay. What about the, uh, okay, let me think of a song. What's the song of yours? Well, there's five of them. <laughs> <laughs> I wish like, I. If you you have fifty fifty chance to get one. One thing I did notice when I was going through the lyrics, because I was reading when I had the thing in front of me, I noticed you know Damien had his designations, you had yours. Your songs seem to be drawn from I don't know history, like kind of epic narratives. Their characters and names I didn't recognize. Ah, fuck! You asked me really. Like, I think what? that's actually yeah, Damien's that's songs. Damien. Do you have? So you have the lyrics? Yeah, I thought I looked at them and I thought Where did you get the lyrics. Oh, I got sent the lyrics. Damien, Damien has a Macbeth reference. Yeah, that's right. If you There's, have the lyrics, you probably do have the liner notes with the credits on them and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just didn't think of it when I was talking to you. I Damien references a Greek Eurycles. figure, Eurycles. Okay. All right. Paper the House, is that you? Nope. Damn it. Oh. Do your I know. I wish I'd done more research. I thought I could speak generally and know all this stuff. Okay. What you said is totally fair. I am unprepared. I, you called me on it, which is good. That's a good thing. But here now, you've met, you've mentioned three songs. Yeah. They've all been Damien songs. So now you have like... There's seven songs left. Five of them are my songs. They have like an 80% chance now of guessing what, that it's going to be one of mine. Okay. Let me think of a... Uh, what about uh, Sunglass? That's mine, yeah. Okay. What can you tell me about the song Sunglass? That doesn't count as a question. <laughs> nice try, though. <laughs> Damn it. I knew you were going to get me. All right. Uh, the other thing that uh, is a common motif in this band is the tension within the band members. And I always wonder if this is overblown, if this is something of a narrative device and talking about the band are tensions at, at any higher or lower level than usual um they are they're they're simmering tensions but they're at a level that it's been it's been at the same level for so long that it almost feels calm you, but like for anybody coming in from the outside they would be like these tensions are crazy is it possible the tensions have been normalized? Like you're just used to the tension? Yeah, we've like habituated to the tension. Hmm. What is the source of some... I guess it's individuals. Some individuals are more tense with others. Is that fair? I think the tension thing has been very overblown. That's what I think, but I didn't know if that was actually true. Why? Is it your fault? You guys often talk in the press about how you're... It's because every, every single interview everyone in the band does, this is one of the questions. Oh, okay. It's your guys' fault. It's the media's fault. The media's fault. Media. <laughs> You just put put it in air quotes. Am I well, not? It's not like we're talking to CNN or something, or like. No, yeah, we're just talking to a guy in your practice space. Yeah, okay. Citizen journalism. <laughs> okay, because I mean, when you talk about some of the themes running through the record about where am I, what am I doing, um, that tension doesn't inform that stuff necessarily. Like, why am I hanging out with these people? Correct. It doesn't. No. 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 The tension is. I mean. The, the stuff on the record is just about getting all, becoming an old person, 
tension in your life, you know, existential bullshit. But when you fight with your friends, it's obviously about stupid, petty stuff. And right. We could make a record about that, but probably be a little uh, too introspective. That would be a serious concept record. Right. We could do six records. Six. The characters would just be the members of the band. <laughs> um, you recorded it in, in chunks, which is... That's something that the band has done historically, right? You kind of come in, some of you record. No? Uh, did you read the FAQ on our blog about how to interview fucked up? No, shit. What was it? It was just a list of all the stock questions we've ever been asked. Oh, God. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. You know, the thing is, I did the... It's, I thought it would be really fun to do the segmented interviews, and I learned stuff from everyone. I didn't realize there was an FAQ. But I knew this was going to be... Tar- like, you're a difficult assignment for me. Why do you suppose that you and I have this tension? You and I have tension when we talk. Just in interviews. Yeah, but why is that? Because I don't particularly love doing interviews, but I know you, so I feel like I could take my liberties mm. and sort of take the piss because you're not some stranger that'll think I'm an asshole. Are you sure about that? Well, the stranger part, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't like... It's interesting for someone to... Is it because you've articulated so much of what you're thinking and feeling in your lyrics? So you're like, why am I wasting my time talking to other people? I'll tell you, all the interviews I've done for this record so far, what's your process in the studio... Do you guys fight a lot? Why did why is there a statue on the cover of the record? And there's like ten more. Yeah, those were my next three questions. All right, so no, nothing about the statue. That's fine. But it is okay. You don't want to talk about the fact that you recorded part of it in Chicago, part of it in Detroit, part of it in Toronto, and that I mean, in some cases, you did you not play bass on it instead of Sandy? I played a couple of the songs on bass, yeah. Yeah. Now, so how does that decision making get done? You are a band. Why would you decide to do that? Sandy just wanted me to play those songs. She said the opposite. She said this was the source of some tension for her. I didn't. Re- I mean, I didn't realize that. Oh, you didn't realize that she was upset about it? I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought that she, that I guess there was some, on an email, maybe there was some miscommunication. Okay. These decisions that get made that seem to ruffle feathers, so to speak, are they primarily yours, Mike? Do you find that? Are you aware of this, that you say and do things that other people seem to find upsetting in some way. Is this an intervention? It's a a therapeutic interview session after I, all of the foundation of my questions, because they were so generic, has crumbled. Now I'm just grappling for things to ask Mike about, and you as well, Josh. I I, I hate to waste your time, but do you find that, maybe you have perspective on this too. Josh is probably going to get a better answer than Josh. Yeah. I have a crap load of perspective, but every time I start to open up, Mike gives me a ferocious cut eye. You give it. And, no, and then says something like, that's not the cover story, Josh. So you came off a concept record that was kind of spelled out. That Was this in the FAQs? Uh, well, what's the rest of your question? Well, I was just going to say that... <laughs> I actually you a concept record this time? No, I actually feel like there is a conceptual thread running through the songs, given the fact that two people were writing the lyrics, uh, and you say kind of pretty much irrespective of one another, right? No, I mean, we got together and sort of... <clears throat> hashed a few ideas out. I don't want to say concepts, but me and Josh and Damien talked. Uh, Originally, Damien wanted to do a record about sort of like un... What's the phrase? Like uh, sort of shedding light on things that... Things in the music industry that people don't really talk about, like, you know, the prevalence of corporations and like the certain things you have to do for money. And there's like... A lot of that comes through, I think, still on his lyrics. A lot of his lyrics talk about that's his tension right like quote unquote like selling out and like the inner workings of like 
economics of being in a band and stuff. So that sort of like the the only time we really talked as a group was about stuff like that. And his his bit of the record is I think he deals with stuff like that. Okay. Echo, did you write Echo Boomer? Yeah. Yeah. But the term echo I see I think comes up a couple of times throughout the record. What does that reference what the sound you're making and sound. I feel like yeah. there's a discussion of sound and things that resonate through time perhaps. Is that something yeah. you were interested in? Yeah. Um so my songs like I have a bunch of symbols. Like the symbols I use are like, you know, stones, glass, all those like it's the sun. And then the echo thing um has been reading a lot of comic books and like most of the plot lines in a comic book is about like a guy going back in time or like getting sent into the future or whatever. And like, you'll, you know, there's like all these different characters, like switch bodies and all this crazy shit. And so, um, the echo thing was about how, you know, when you're like a 13 or 14 year old, that's when you like love music the most. And like, you know, that's, that's sort of like, that starts you on your journey to, you know as whatever you do a musician whatever it's going to be um and so the for us it was about you know we started we all started when we were young 13 14 in music and bands going to shows and then like you know 15 years later we're still doing it so you know that's what the record is about like it's not just our perspective as 30 year olds looking back at that kid my songs tried to be like the perspective of the kid looking forward to what we you know what you became and the echo is like you know, that's the, the reverberation is, you know, there's obviously that's literal effect and the sound on the record, but it's also the lyrics about the reverberation of like your personality through time and like the person you became, but it's also about like being in a band and like you're now you're on the other side of the reverberation. You're making the sound that's going to affect the, the next 14 year old kid. And then that kid grows up to be in a band and he affects the next kid. So it's just about thinking about music and you know punk and hardcore as a continuity and like a continuum that goes like you know across across time and all that stuff so there seems to be a a burden of responsibility and maybe a i don't want to use the word problematic necessarily necessarily but like a an odd relationship with nostalgia is that no i think it's in the record is we're embracing our nostalgia and it's not like it's a responsibility it's just that sort of if there was to be a conclusion or like a thesis to the record, it'd be about how, you know, this is a record where fucked up sort of embraces nostalgia as, yeah, we have a responsibility now because we've, we're at one end of this spectrum and now we have a responsibility to the beginning of it, which is the people, you know, literally the kids that come see us. Um, we've, you know, our audience is getting younger and younger. So we're at this place as a band now where we're like adults and we know that we're gonna affect you know, younger kids, and then maybe those kids will listen to a fucked up record, and in 15 years, somebody will be interviewing them, and then they'll be influencing the next generation. Right. I mean, that does seem to indicate to me at least a sense of this might be important to someone outside of our band. Yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, coming to terms a little bit with your audience or whatever. And yeah. yeah. Josh, uh, so Mike just went on and explained a lot of stuff about that the record. Uh, do you guys, and he mentioned that you and him and Damien spoke, how much of this kind of stuff is articulated outside of just going into the rehearsal space and working on songs? Well, not in that much detail. I'm sure that a lot of that stuff, you know, gets filled in when these guys are writing lyrics. Yeah. You know, just like a writer writing a book, it's like, you know, you have a general sense of what you want to put down there, but 
the way that it turns out is probably not something that you can spell out out in the start unless you're like jd salinger or something right but i mean this sounds like no way that was that reference was wrong who wrote the book in three days jack kerouac yeah on the road yeah that's what i meant yeah okay i'm the worst with references no it's fine so but it does sound like what ended up on the record might have been informed by conversations you guys were all having as vaguely middle-aged rock well listen every everything that people ask like so the last record was a concept record. How did you how did you come to the terms with this? Like, were questions that we, you know, we basically asked ourselves. Like, yeah, okay, so we did that. How is this, you know, bit yeah, basically like we talked about you know, um, in our own way. And then yeah, like Mike said, there was like a few different ideas. Damien wanted to kind of make it, you know, around the ideas around the music industry. Talk about that. Um, but then it, it kind of just became a reflexive record as opposed to like a storytelling record. Do you yourself have a conflicted relationship being in the music industry as it stands? Yeah. Hmm. But you do it because... It's where I wound up. <laughs> you don't know. But I mean, the the kind of conflict doesn't... You can affect, and the band has, I think, in their actions affected positive change by working within that industry. Does that is that important to you? Um... Yeah, it's important to to like be a positive force wherever you are. Yeah, you did do one one thing. I will ask about the the music on the record is the drums are interesting. They they seem to be a bit different than usual. There's like a fast part and then there's a, a halftime part. I guess what was the motivation behind doing that? It seems like a lot of work in a sense to have two tempos going at the same time, or it feels I guess. Um, well, when we were writing, we realized that the songs could work in diff- two different tempos. So we didn't want to throw out the s- sort of slow versions. So we just decided to record them both. And we thought it would give it the record a little bit of a groovier sound if there, if there was a slow thing happening underneath. That's pretty much. And so, but uh, you, you are actually releasing sort of two versions of it, right? Yeah. So why give that part away in a sense? Like, that makes it seem like. You you feel like they could stand alone on their own. Yeah. So the real the real version of the de- definitive version of the record has both, and it'll be say like the fast drums are mixed at like eighty percent, then a little bit like twenty percent is the slow, but then there'll be a slow version of the record, hmm. if you want it. If you want it, it's like the spe- there's like a special version where it's a double album. Right. Well, that's kind of that's that's unusual, and and it, like you could just do remixes and shit like that. Yeah, but it's not a remix. It's like a it's like a different thing. Right. How do you feel about that? It's cool. I hope <laughs> you. I hope people enjoy it. I hope people listen to it and think it's something cool to listen to. Okay, I did want to ask you about just this term, Glass Boys, because I was trying to figure out where it comes from. Uh, is that a Damien thing? No, nope. that's you. Yeah. Hey, congrats to us. We figured it out. What does that term mean, Glass Boys? Uh. <laughs> I feel like you know the answer. No, I don't necessarily. I've read some things, but and I also don't trust everything I read. That's why I, I want to hear from you. So Glass Boys, it just means it's about becoming older and like becoming, you know, you're wise and old and all that stuff caught up with aging and growth, but still being fragile inside like glass. Hmm. That's... That that sounds kind of heavy in, in a lot of ways. Dude. Easily broken. 
easily broken. Not every man is a glass boy. All right, so this is some kind of coming of age record. That that's the blanket statement. That's fair to say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Was this kind of was it therapeutic to write these songs for you after going through all these things in your head? No, because it wasn't like I was. T- we were all tortured with this stuff. I mean, may, you know, Damien has I think has a more real relationship to the things he's talking about. But for me, it's just like I like writing lyrics because I like writing. I don't necessarily write lyrics because I want the world to know how I'm feeling. Mm. And it's a bit of a stretch. I mean, it's like I wasn't, the 13 years in this band haven't been characterized by me like worrying about getting old or whatever. It's just like, you know, you need to have lyrics. And so it's not like this stuff keeps me up at night. And you're not embarrassed in some ways about being in this band at the age you're at? No. Why would it be embarrassing? No, I don't know, because that's sort of the conflict that you might go through. Like, why am I, you know, playing in this rock band? <clears throat> yeah, no, I'm not embarrassed. It's just, it's more of like a whimsical thing, right? It's, you know, you, it's just wherever I was at, what at my age, I'm sure I would look back and be like, oh, wow, how did I get here? Like, hmm. but, <clears throat> you know, if you're a pharmacist, it isn't part of your work as a pharmacist to tell your story, how you got there. But if you're in a band, it's like how you got there, you, you have to, part of being in a band is t- you know telling your story a little bit so by default that it's out there now because okay. we're musicians right. okay well um have you already kind of thought about what comes next for this band at this point i mean the record's going to be out soon and you're going to ask yeah get asked a lot of dumb questions by guys like me but <laughs> have you kind of conceived of what's next uh we'll just play a bunch of shows this summer and uh um, yeah, I don't know. We have another Zodiac coming out at some point, Year of the Hair. Year of the Hair? Yeah. Oh, the H-A-R-E. Like it's, Year of Hair. It's not the reference to my current hairstyle. It's our next record re- 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 uh, reference to your hair. It's a concept record no. about the hair that you have today. <laughs> no. Okay, that's cool. So you're working and you're going to play in Jersey and everything's good. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, I, I thank you for being on the show. I'm sorry I was a little unprepared. But uh, you knew that was going to happen. I knew when I walked in that he knew I didn't have my shit together. And it's good that you call me on it, Mike. I think it's good. Thanks. You're welcome. You're welcome. Now, I asked everybody else, and I'm going to put it to a vote, I guess. Or actually, I may maybe not even allowed to do this. I want to know what song from the record you wish we could play right now going, going out of this interview. How long is your show? Well, at this point, it's like an hour. Oh, you just, you don't have, you just make up the time? Well, yeah, I just but it depends on what's going on. Yeah, why? Why does that matter? I just it's just it could be any length. It's a podcast. Oh, right? oh the song, yeah, the song can be any oh, length. Show. Yeah, the show is r- usually around an hour. I just put one out recently that was like a couple hours, just because the conversation was on it. Well, it was the hundredth episode, so it was the guy interviewing me about my life. What, what's that? Minutes? No, it was more than that. What guy was interviewing about your life? This guy, Andrew Nathan Hood. He's an author. He's working on like a book about Jim Guthrie. And so he wanted to talk to me about that. So I said, why don't you just come on my show and we'll talk about Jim. And that ended up being me talking a lot about a lot about my life because uh, he wanted to know my musical uh, origin story. Is that good enough for you? Yep. So like the, all the songs are three to four minutes long. It doesn't matter. <laughs> longer. Like five minutes. Can you play Year of the Dragon? My point is that that's a longer song. I don't think you No, I don't want to do that. I want to play something from the record. Um. Then play. 
Do you edit the interviews? <laughs> I'm going to have to with this one, yeah. Usually, though? I do a little bit just for audio and, and stuff. Why? Just because I just took a long pause. Yeah, I can take <laughs> I could take that out. I feel like a longer pause because I just started listening to podcasts. Hmm. And I you, listen to them when I go to the gym. And I realize that, you know, the longer it is, sometimes it's the better because you can just... You don't have to wait for the next weeks. You can just listen to half of it at the gym and then do your shit and then listen to the other half like the next day or whatever. Mm-hmm. A couple of days when you do your reps again in the t- in two days because you don't really do them the same reps every day. <laughs> so you don't necessarily need to listen. What's your general workout regimen? Because I just started running again. You just talked about reps. Yeah, but it was for the point I was making. You know what really rubs my rhubarb is that you and I were in St. John's recently and you did you challenge me to an arm wrestle? And I beat you, yeah. Yeah, it was really, it's actually the, when people say, how was your trip to St. John's? I'm like, well, Mike Halichuk beat me at an arm wrestle and it's really bothering me. How often do you arm wrestle? The last time I arm wrestled someone was Jonah about six years ago. He beat me. But you go to the gym all the time. All you're doing is playing guitar. Your arms must be really strong. So why was it embarrassing for you to be beaten by me? I just get embarrassed. I I thought I could beat you. I don't know why. I just wanted to win. Because you're older than me. No, not because I'm older. I just thought I could, I like, I'm competitive in my own way. So you have like a workout. Do you work out, Josh? Do you go to the gym? No. No. You go all the time. Even when we were in Chicago, you went to the gym during a recording session. I thought that was really interesting. I mean, I don't know. If I thought it was interesting. I don't too. know if it's interesting, but it happened. It's totally interesting. I mean, most people would be so, you know. Play Glass Voice. Fuck. Play the slow version of... Now let me see. Are the slow version songs longer because they're slower, Josh? I don't remember. Are you trying to help you slow or it down this podcast? If you slow the songs down, wouldn't it make them longer? I don't have the slow versions of the songs. I just have the album proper. You're really not prepared for this interview. So you were asked this question about the slow version. You were just literally curious because you didn't know because you hadn't heard them. Yeah, I try to ask questions I don't know the answers to. I know you were like, you know the answer to this. So long. It was going to be over like five minutes ago if you just so pick a song. You don't know though. That's why I was. Did you get what I was trying to say there? Glass, you want to hear Glass Boys? Yeah, but you can't play that one. It's too long. And it ha- yeah, d- play sun. Play the slow version of Sunglass. I can only play the version I have. I don't know what that means, slow version. I'm not going to have it by the time this goes out. Play the slow version of Lead by Hands on YouTube. Yeah. I don't want to play something off of YouTube. Come on, guys. Is there something off the record? Can't You don't want to play anything off the record proper? That's off yeah, the record. Slow version of Sunglass. Okay, but you, okay <laughs> fine. So, so you vote. Okay, no one else. What did everyone else pick? Uh, some oh, I don't even have the slow versions of all the songs. Yeah, how come I, he doesn't even have them? He's in the band. How am I supposed to just find them on the internet? Get them from Nils. I don't know. Oh, he has the slow versions. I didn't know that. Okay, so someone else picked. Don't Josh. Don't leave yet. I know. I know it's frustrating. I knew this was going to happen. Someone else did pick Sunglass. I think it was Ben. Okay. So you and Ben have a lot in common. All right. And uh, someone picked DET, as I mentioned. I remember Sandy. You, can't, you can only pick one of the three songs that's been released already. Okay, what? So what are they? <laughs> Echo Boomer. No. no Paper the House. Yep. Yes. And Sunglass has a video, doesn't it? Sunglass. <laughs> Which version of question? I don't know. And then Glass. No, not Glass Boys. I don't know. I want to have to pay attention to everything Just that's play, going. Play one of the ones that's been released already. <sighs> All right, Josh, uh, Mike. Thanks as always. Cheers say do do i'm not doing that (laughs) (laughs) 
Thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at cfru.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.